Okay. Uh, <clears throat> wonderful. Today is November. It's Sunday morning, and it's November 21st, uh, 2021. I'm happy to see everybody on screen, although Mark Lift has turned into a waterfall. And uh, happy to see the students in front of me. And uh, I have to begin t on time and end on time today because uh, our, the, the technician is coming to set up our new washing machine and dryer and my wife wants her husband home for obvious reasons. Okay, um, first of all I just want to mention about Sviganel Zechat Tzadik Levracha that it's amazing. You mention something in class, it turns out a student listening up on Shriga uh, knows people who are related to Tzvi, who live in Israel, and uh, they told the story about Tzvi when he was commuting to YU. He would come in by train from Seattle to Yeshiva University. It's the 1950s, a long train ride, and he would ask the porter to find him a place, private place, where he could say his morning prayers. The porter took him to a place, said, and then remarked to him, quote, you know, many, many years ago, I was also asked to find a private place for someone for prayer. Tzvi answered the porter, that was my grandfather. He would go to New York twice a year to pick up clothes for his store in Seattle, and he always had a daven on the train. And as far as what we mentioned about the Yemenites being able to read from all sides of the uh, book, Here's a picture, believe it or not, where you can see it with your own eyes that Natan shouldn't say the Rebbe was making it up. This is not on scroll here, this is legitimate. And here is a picture that you can see with your own eyes. All right, I'm ready to roll and uh, the first part of today's shear is uh, a continuation of last week. And I want to call your attention to something amazing that um, both Reb Moshe and uh, the Mishnah Halachat are dealing with the question of buying insurance. In a thousand years, you wouldn't believe that both of them touch upon the problem that haunts every thinking Torah Jew. How do we manage with Talmud Torah? Reb, uh, Reb Menashe Klein touches upon it, that uh, he's uh, worried the person will take out heavy insurance, have to work harder, no time to learn or less time to learn. Reb Meisha gets involved with the whole question of uh, panasar and learning and working and, and, and what's normalcy in life. And uh, I need not tell you this question haunts us until this very moment. I don't think anyone can give a black and white answer, but it's fascinating to see the sources. Where we left off last week, we were speaking about the state of Israel, that no matter what you say about the Chutzlaretz, it is not like living in Israel. In Israel, our very being here, our very doing here, creates uh, Yishifa Aretz. According to the Ramban, Mitzvah Tasei, the of the highest importance. According to Maimonides, a lot of ink has been spilled why he didn't list it among the mitzvot, but the answer is very simple. It's, it's like Anochi Hashem The Maimonides didn't list that either. It's the basis of all mitzvot. Yeshiva Haaretz 
is the basis of endless mitzvot, kabanot, kodshim, taharot. I mean, you can go on and on. A good, as say, Zrayim, an unbelievable amount of our religious life is hinges on kedushat haaretz and having a land of Israel and working the land of Israel. And here I quoted at the end of the Shia, the Chatam Sofa, that the Chatam Sofa, when he deals in Masechet Sukkah with the question of Osek B'mitzvah Patam and B'mitzvah being Masamach so he gets involved with Eretz Yisrael, and it's a famous Chatam Sofa, Rav Ovadja quoted it in the famous trivia he wrote on Kibbut Aviyem, if your parents are opposed to your making Aliyah, and the Chatam Saifa actually asked, we should be putter from this morning. I started the day, uh, all right, I started learning at four, but I, st- I went to Davin at, uh, right after the five o'clock news. And uh, why do you waste time davening? Go to work, work the land, mitzvah say. But of course, heim sibu v'heim sibu, it means God commanded, that this is the answer, and it's axiomatic to understanding what Torah is about. And we have to live in Israel to build, to, to live a life of, there's no question, Torah derech heretz in the full sense of the word. Now, after Shir, and here I'm picking up, after Shir, uh, Yomo showed me another Chatam Seifa, also in Mesechet Sukkah. And uh, this Chatam Seifa was in Lula HaGozel, it's... Uh, on, it's on the Gemara in Lulav HaGozel, you'll find it, it's on Daflamid Vav Amid Aleph, and you'll find it in the Chidushe Chatam Seifer, the Sukkah, you'll find it on Daf Mem Bet Amid Aleph, in the second column. And I'm, I'm just, uh, it's amazing. Chatam Seifer here gets involved with the Gemara in Bracha, it's, it's a very important Gemara, Daflamet Omid Bet. It's a famous Gemara. I've given many Sheyurim on it, but I just want to cite the Gemara. Uh, where, where it's, you're all familiar with this Machlaikis. That the Gemara, Reb Machlaikis, Reb Shumba Yochai, and, and Reb Yishmael, that according to Reb Shumba Yochai, a person should try never to work. If we'll be at Sadek and do what's proper and learn Torah and observe Torah, Zacha Nesnemalach Tolya Deyacherim. That Bismanch Yisrael of Sin wrote with Sonoshal Makom Malachton Nasal Yedeyacherim. That's Repshun by Yochai Shiti, you know, the Gemara in Shabbos when he came out, he saw Jews working, came out of the, uh, the Maora. Uh, how would you call that in English? A, 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 a what? Cave. The cave. He came out of the cave and, and he saw Jews working. He looked at them and they died. And, and uh, that was his shita. So, and, and Rabbi Yishmael says, takes a different shita. And Rabbi Yishmael, of course, holds a person that has to work in a normal fashion. There's a time to work, a time to learn. Your time has to be divided. You'll see the whole Gemara, and the Gemara goes on to say that many did like Rabbi Shimba Yochai, many did like Rabbi Shmuel, but the ones that did like Rabbi Shmuel, they were the ones that ultimately succeeded. 
So this is a very fascinating and a very thought-provoking Gemara. And here the Chatam Seifer says that this Machloikis is only in Chutz La'aretz. In Eretz Yisrael, there's no question that you have to divide your time. There's no question that we have to live like Rabbi Yishmael. No doubt about it that Chutz La'aretz, you can take the point of view I only teach my child Torah like the Gemara I quoted at the end of Kedushin, but in Eretz Yisrael, Yishuv Haaretz, it's a tremendous mitzvah, and we have to gather and do and work and live like Rabbi Yishmael. Now, this Chatam Saifa is very powerful, and uh, I want to ask a very simple question. Aaron Rakefit knows the Rechatam Sulfur. Tell me, Rabshach didn't know the Chatam Sulfur. The Yechine Chatzmai people don't know the Chatam Sulfur. We discovered something they don't know. Obviously, I have to take it's axiomatic that they all know the Chatam Sulfur. They all know Mitzvah Yishev Eretz Yisrael. They all know the Ramban. But they will give you a very simple answer. In theory, this is absolutely correct. But Zach, lo nitkasher hadad. The generation is not on the level. This is the answer you will hear. And this leads me to something that just came up this week. And it's all the continuation of how we think and how we act and how we do. And do we live the way Chazal wanted us to? Or do we once again come back and say we're not on the level to live that way? And here I have to thank uh, Rav Grinstein, Rav Yoshua, Kika Shabbat. I understand it's the most popular of all the Haredi websites. Kika Shabbat I, has a recording of the Rav in Maria, their Messiah Mesechet Drachat. Again, I can't take anything for granted. It's a new generation, just as when I look at the names of the Rebbeim and YU, I don't recognize the new names at all. So you tell me, Natan, do you know what I'm talking about, Maria? See him? Uh, all right, there you see. Zach, Maria, gentlemen, you are not familiar with Washington. You, are you familiar with Revel? No. Silver? No. Rakafet Aron? Four volumes? No. The Rav, The World of Rabbi Joseph B. Soloveitchik? Two volumes? Not familiar with. I, Elliot, why do I waste my time writing? And yet some of these volumes went through four editions already. If they look it up, it's, it, it's okay, it's okay. I'm only twitting. No, no, if they're Googling it, it's M-O-R-Y-A. It's the spelling. Uh, the I spell it right in, in the rub. Yeah. I was very careful. Yeah. Anyway, Maria, here's what happened. When the rub came to America, no one knew who he was. Right? They laughed at his father. I know this from people who studied with Reb Moshe 
Rabbi Lewis said, we were laughing. Rabbi Meishe is telling the class, my son the gone, my son the gone, my son the gone. And then shows up a guy, uh, he was six feet, the Rebbe was taller than I was once challenged on that too, that I, uh, someone claimed I, I made the Rebbe taller than he was. Thank God, a Talmud listening produced a picture of the Rebbe with his grandfather. And his grandfather was only six foot two, everyone agreed, and the rub was just as tall. But over the years, I also, I was once 5'10 today, I think I'm 5'8. You bend over, it's age, Baruch Hashem, I'm Hanukkah 84, I alive and kicking, Baruch Hashem. So, uh, we came to America, then the rub started giving shayurim, they were, you know, blown away. He had a lot of Akmas Nefesh in Boston, the rabbinate. But by uh, the 1940s, they knew who he was. And now he's at NYU. And, you know, Boston, with all due respect to Boston, I want to put Boston down. People are listening in Boston. But uh, Boston's not New York. And New York, you had a whole group of diamond dealers, most of them from Belgium, although not all of them. There was at least one Egyptian there I knew. And these Jews were from, and they were broad-minded business people. And they pleaded with the Rav, we need you in New York. So they established the shul in Broadway. Look it up in my work on the Rav, you get the exact address. I was there many times, it was the second floor, you walked up, and uh, the Rav was officially the rabbi of the shul. Come closer, don't sit so far, sit, sit closer. The rub was officially the rabbi of the shul. Now, he, what was involved? He gave shear every Tuesday night. And it was the famous Maria shear. It was packed, hundreds came, men, women, and not that many women. It's not like today, you'd have more women than men. But in, in, in the 50s, women, it, you know, couldn't learn as well. There were the Pomerantz girls. The Rub once was a difficult to shear the Rub, and the Rub said, the, he said, it was all in Yiddish, and I see here we have from the Dot Thomas Rach, so when I speak Yiddish, you just remind me to translate. It's okay. Um, I have many, many, many great-grandchildren from Eidotta Mizrach who also don't know Yiddish, understand? So you're not, you're not the only one. So the Rav said, Vastrachman, what do you think? You're going to understand this? Only the Pomeranz girls will understand. These were three girls sitting behind the Mechitza. Their father was a Talmud of, of the Chavetz Chaim, and he had no sons. So he put all his Torah into his three daughters. And those three girls all married tremendous Talmidei Chachamim. One of them lives up the block from me. One of them already is widow, like a third I don't know. But they were unique. So men, women came, and that she was famous. Now, the Rav, when they were Messiah, Mesechet, Brachat, the Rav spoke. And it's available on tape. It's the Rav at his prime in the 50s. And Kika Shabbat put out the Siyam. You can hear it. It's 12 minutes. They translated from the Yiddish. There's a typescript in Hebrew. 
and it's also published. I have it in front of me in Hebrew, published. And they give a little biography of the Rav, and Elliot, you won't believe it, totally honest. There would be more from Jews in the world today if this, remember the story of the kid who came to my class from Asameach, and, and I said the rub was on the Moetzek Gedolia Torah of Agudic Yisrael in 1941 when they established it, and he went back to his Rebbe and Ozzam Rebbe said, Brah Kefir is lying, and the kid checked it out. I told him the source. He went to the Hebrew library and he saw Hapades and he left religion as a result. I corresponded with him afterwards. I'm not ashamed. I've had more students who left that I corresponded with. I got nowhere. His attitude was, Rebbe, you're a great guy, you're a nice guy, you're very knowledgeable, keep the Rebbe far from me. He runs a website on atheism. All and basically a result of that Rebbe and Osameh who lied to him. Once you lie to a student, then the student reaches an obvious conclusion. The Rebbe lies here, this one lies here, the whole thing is a farce, etc. I, I have Akmas Nefesh when I talk about it. Okay, anyway. They write that the Rav was, a, was on the first Moesik Adolia Torah. He was the executive director, Yoshev Rosh of the Aguda. And then over the years, he went through a change and became a Mizrachiyah. You follow? Okay. Honest. And they reproduced this with such so now let me ask a simple question. If Kika Shabbat has such derecheres for the Rav, and I can tell you more stories. I gave Rav Yashiv's nephew, an Adam Gadol, Rav Kugel, Rav Lisa Kugel, he's in his 90s today, should live and be well. I gave him a tape of a yurt of a tshuvah of the Rav. He said to me he was shaking. He never heard anything like it. You know, the Rav as a dashen was... In Yiddish, you know, in his native language, it was unbelievable. So, uh, tell me, why does the right wing dismiss the Rav? I'll, I'll ask a simple question. When this campus was built, a guy named Aaron Rakefit walked on the grass every day. Why? Because he taught in Michlala. Michala moved from, I, I started teaching Michala when it was in Bayit Vagan. It moved from Bayit Vagan down the road. So I would walk here every day and I see what's being built here. And I asked Rabbi Izzy Miller, the father of Rabbi David Miller, vice president of the yeshiva, I said, why don't you put up a sign? That you, at that time, it was being built for Yeshiva University. No one ever dreamt that a guy named Rakefet would pull off a miracle and get it for Yeshiva. But that's a whole story. Why it, why, why, uh, it's all written up in Washington. Every word, absolutely true. So I asked Rabbi Miller, why don't you put up a sign, Yeshiva University? He said, what? They'll come, they'll demonstrate the Haredim, they'll deface the sign, and they refuse to put up a sign. What, what? Look, if you have Derek Harris for the road, let me go further. The biggest personality in the, in the state of Israel on the Lithuanian level in the 70s into the 80s, into the early 90s, was Rav Shach. You've all heard the name Rabbi Shach of Panovich, uh, Rav Menachem, Rav Shach, Litvish Adam, Gadol, Kletzka, Rav Shach, one of my heroes. I 
have many stories about him, and his son happened to be one of my closest friends. That's a different story. Rav Shach's son and Ani Rothkopf sat next to each other in Bernard Rebel Graduate School. Rothkopf got his doctorate in 66, and Effie Shach got his doctorate in 67. All right, Rothkopf doesn't exist anymore. He became Rakefet a few years later. And when Effie Shach came back to Israel, the shul he davened in, and we became very close with my son-in-law shul. So I would daven there every Friday night, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. We came very close. This Rav Shach's son, and, and Rav Shach, in writing, he only criticized the Rav once. Once. It's in the, you look into the Rav. I have a footnote. I give you the exact place. He criticized the Rav on Yosef the Echov, the Rav's famous Russia, uh, a guy named Rakefet just came along and the manuscript was just accepted for publication where this guy Rakefet de- defends the Rav against Rav Shach and I challenge you, anyone here, to prove that defense is not 100% effective, not 99%, 100. Barak, outside of that, Rav Shach never criticized the Rav. All right, that criticism, as I said, a guy named R took it away. Fine, 35 pages to answer Rav Shach's little paragraph in his letter. But privately, Yomo told me that it said that Rav Shach said publicly and told others, and I heard this down the line, that uh, the Rav remained the briska. Brisk, the Rav came from brisk. It's a, a world unto itself. But he lived in two worlds. And Rav Shach said the Rav succeeded in living in two worlds. The world he came from and the world he found himself. The Rav only functioned in cities that began with B. Brisk, Berlin, Boston. You follow? But then the question is, well, look, if the Rav succeeded living in two worlds and the Rav was able to remain a Briska and the Rav was able to achieve so much, why can't we? And Rav Shach gave that exact answer I mentioned before. He could, we can't. And once again, you come back to the whole question, lo ikhshira dara, in rabbinic language, I'll put it that way, or the rabbinic rubric. We're not on that level. We're much less. And this remains the great challenge today. The state of Israel, there is no doubt that there's no machloket. You must have Torah, Derech you must have Torah, Mother, you must have Torah, Viavoda, call it whatever you wish. This is the state. Imagine, we have wrapped Hashem, the Haredim become the majority. They take over, the, what are they going to do? Give back the state to the Arabs? We don't have an army. We don't have an economy. This is the Khatam Sofa. 
This is fabulous. Here there is an absolute chiyuv. But my own feeling is we've lived through a certain period. That period has ended. What am I talking about a certain period? Post-Holocaust. Post-Shoah. When I was growing up, all I knew was all of European Jewry was wiped out. Let's say my classes in elementary school had 30 students in the class. The majority were either greenhorns who survived the Holocaust or kids who were born in America whose parents didn't speak English at home. Only Yiddish parents got to America, late 20s, 30s, running away from Hitler. Everything in Europe was wiped out. You had two new centers beginning, one in America, one in Palestine, soon to be Israel. We had to rebuild from almost scratch how many Talmidei Chachamim survived. And this was a period, 50 years, 60 years, where we couldn't afford the luxury of combining Torah with worldly endeavor. We had to bring back the Torah. And it was a tremendous challenge. In America, the challenge was a little kid like myself. As I've said so many times and as I write about, you come into seventh grade, your Rebbe doesn't speak a word of English, and you don't speak a word of Yiddish. What a challenge. You come to Israel, you don't realize. We're now celebrating the yard site of Rav Moshe This Jew built Torah in Israel, period. You come to Israel. How are you going to build Torah here? You have the Yeshiva Hadash, the Yeshiva Yashan, I should say, the old Yerushalmis, some in Hebron, some in Svat, some in Tavaria. What are they living on? Chalukah. Money coming in. You put into the pushka when you lit candles. Rabbeinu Balhanes. How are you going to live? How are you going to thrive? How are you going to build an economy? And how do you build an economy in a new land with a new language? Kulam metaprim ivrit. Eliezer ben Yehuda. If, uh, my Hebrew? I mean, all right, I'm ashamed. What can I tell you? I speak it fluently. I lecture in Hebrew, but wow. My great-grandchildren speak Hebrew a lot better than I do. A lot quicker. That's one of my big problems. When you dub in here in Israel, people speak, oh, give me a chance. I don't want to dub in English. English I can run through. All right, I speak Yiddish, I admit. But... But it's not just Hebrew, it's a new mentality. Then you have the Eidot Mizrach, the Moroccans, the Tunisians, the Algerians, the Libyans, from the island of Jerba. And here these Jews are coming in and they had a terrible problem because it's not just that they're immigrants to a new country, they're immigrants to a new civilization. We Americans, we came in Aliyah. I came, it's my 53rd Hanukkah here. So I'm here a while already. But 
we were coming from a higher society to a less in, intelligent society. I'll put it that way. The Moroccans, the Germans, the Egyptians, Egypt was the most advanced country. In the, uh, you know why they were the most advanced? You know why, Elliot? The Suez Canal. The Suez Canal opened them to European influence. But the other countries were still primitive. And here they come into a country which is so much more advanced, Western. I mean, I, some of the advancement is terrible. It's idol worship. But, but you understand the challenge. And how do you build Torah? And it took a very long time. Look what happened in America, which I've lectured on extensively in the Monday class. Yeshiva University, Lakewood, Chabad. Wow. Look what happened in Israel. Yeshiva rebuilt. Panovich, Hebron, which is really Slabatka. But then the Israeli Yeshiva Mekazarav, Yeshiva Chesda. But they say for Tichoniim Datiim, Upanot, women, education, taking modernity and putting it into a Torah configuration. And then you take, in our world, the Eidot HaMizrach, Totally integrated. Totally integrated. I, told, I always tell the story. At one of the pigeon habens of... Uh, do you have a pigeon haben coming up? For no, my wife's a coin. A, a bat coin. I have also a new... The new family, the, the wedding, she's a bat lady, so never be a pigeon. But I just had a pigeon haben of, uh, of, his, of his brother's uh, first. Can I her? So there was a pigeon haben. And uh, the grandmother had been my student, and the grandmother from the girl on the other side had been my student in Michala in his early 70s. Her grandfather was the Moroccan chief rabbi of Arakiva. And she was my student. I'd go and dream her granddaughter would marry my grandson. And uh, I spoke about the blood in these kids, so many different countries, Morocco, Czechoslovakia, Poland, the kids didn't know what I was talking about. We're Israelis. They're totally integrated. They're all getting doctorates. Uh, no one looks at where you come from. It's, you follow? It took a long time. Now I think we can conquer Israel properly. And it's being done slowly but surely. You take a look at, the, for instance, the new city... Design center. They, they built a tremendous complex in Maler Dumim. Are you know, you know about it or not? And all the furniture stores are there, and places to eat, and they're opening an amusement park in the highest level that equals anything that Europe has. It's uh, a lot of European money is being put. Everything by charter has to be kosher and Shmirat Shabbat. Even the amusement center is not going to be open on Shabbat. I mean, this, you gotta, and this is not the first place. You take uh, Rami Levy, you take El Al, you take the, uh, the airline that Rami Levy bought, you go right down the line. 
and Torah in Derech Eretz. You don't even realize when you buy uh, a body's begelach that Israel is so famous for, no one bakes begelach like the Abadi factory. They're now exporting all over the world. They have a secret ingredient like Coca-Cola, I don't know. They don't reveal it. When you buy a bodies, you're supporting it in the biggest manufacturing place out near uh, Malad Dumim, they have a big cola that's supported by the company in the building. So when you're buying a bodies, you're not just getting uh, their famous bagel, Israeli type bagel or Moroccan type bagel, you're also supporting a cola. So you see, this question that Rabbi Menashe Klein and Rabbi Moshe Feinstein touch upon, wow, it opens the world to us. But we have to struggle with it. We have to deal with it. And I have to tell you on a personal level, and I've seen this, others have said the same thing. I'm not the fir- I, I may be the first one to have said it publicly and to have written it, but I'm very happy to see it pops up in more memoir literature. Why you was the greatest gift I could ever have. Why? Because it taught me to utilize time twice as quick, twice as fast. I learned in Lakewood. In Lakewood, I had time for everything. Pamelech. Pamelech means slowly. Don't rush. Easily. Pamelech. Gadlet Adam. Slapatka Musa. I grew up on it. Came to YU. Oh my gosh. Nine to three, you were in Lithuania, at least in my time. I don't know why you today, I'm not talking about. But in my time, Alps given in Yiddish. Everything was in Yiddish. The father, Rabbi Katzin's son, the chief rabbi's son, who's my classmate, sat next to me. His Yiddish was as good as mine. You follow? It's not like today that YU has a separate Sephardic program. E- either you learn Yiddish, you break your teeth, or finish. You can't learn. You can't be with the rub. You can't learn on a level. And, 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 but you had to utilize time. Then you went up to college, and then you went home and you first started your homework. And my father, Zechon Levracho, when my parents moved to Israel, they lived down the block in Rehov Shachal. So he used to meet the BMT boys, and he used to say to them, you know my son? Oh, my son, that's, that's your son. And he'd say, do you know that Wednesday night, I would Thursday morning, my father had to get up early, he worked in the post office, he would be up at 5 o'clock, go downtown, and I, he said, my son would be asleep at the kitchen table. Because I'll tell you what happened, it's very simple. The rub said she had Tuesday, Wednesday. Between Tuesday to Wednesday, I had to write up Tuesday sheer. So I had my notes were all scribbled, and then I wrote them up in my Hebrew at that stage in life. I was a kid, but you know, uh, 50, 57, 58, 59, 60, 61. I wrote it up, but I would be up until I would fall asleep. I never slept in the basically never went to bed on. Uh, between Tuesday and Wednesday, but why you taught you to utilize your time, all right? It was a great gift. We need that gift in Israel. We need the YU type of education. 
we have to conquer the land, but we can have to be G'daylem in Torah, Torah, knowledge, Yerat Shemayim, and the ability to conquer the land. And this, by the way, is the greatness of Machon Lev. And you know how many Haredim you have in Machon Lev today? On the 2,000. Are you aware of that? They built the mikvah so the Chassidim can go. Have you seen the mikvah or not in the dormitory? Am I making it up, Shlomo? I'm telling the truth. Shlomo says, Eidut the Rebbe is telling the truth. Baruch Hashem. Why? Because a chassar has to go to mikveh every morning. And, and this is the secret of our future here. And here, I just want to show you, this is the magazine. I, they're now, uh, uh, this is copy eight. I have copy nine already at home. Nine, nine issues have come out. And what is this magazine about? It's problems of integration of the Haredim in the big world. And it deals with all the topics you can imagine. How do you learn at night? How do you continue learning? What's the secret? Uh, do, do, are we going to have backward primitive high tech? Or are we going to lead the world in high tech? And endless articles on men, on women, on high tech. Every part of the modern world and ultimately, I don't agree with Rav Shach, our generation can do it. We have to do it. God commanded us to do it. And God will not give us a command that we cannot fulfill. And, and this is, in my humble opinion, the great challenge that we have today in Israel. And we, from the greater Yeshiva University world, we have a tremendous obligation here to lead the way, to pace the way. And I can tell you that Rabbi Vadya, in his first trip to America, when he came back, Rabbi Vadya told me, he was so impressed because wherever he went, he found YU graduates, top lawyers, top accountants, top business people, top doctors, etc., etc., and learning on a high level. Learning. Serious people. It's not just Yiddishkeit, you know, fashionable. Yiddishkeit, Torah with a depth. Okay, so I wanted to finish out last week's year. And uh, again, I call your attention. It's unbelievable how dealing with such a different problem like uh, buying life insurance, how it opened the Pandora's box. Okay, now, I, I, I just let me say one word of caution. Uh, when I speak in terms of a solution, again, it's the solution for 90% of the people. They're always going to be 10% who are different, who are unique. Uh, you're going to always have people who can't adjust to the big world, or people who don't want to adjust, are challenged, afraid. 
we have to accept all and encourage all. But as the ultimate way to go, which will enable us to live in dignity, I'm referring now to the Rebbe's essay, Ish Halacha, master that essay. If you don't know that essay backwards and forwards, you don't know how to breathe there. To live in dignity, this is the way. And the state of Israel particularly, they're so frightened to Aretz, uh, the, 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 the left wing here, the pro- what they call the progressive, I call it the retrogressive wing, they're so frightened that the Haredim are 20% of the population, they'll be 30%, 40%. And by the way, in the Haredim, they also include Hadalim, if you're familiar with that term, Haredim, Datayim, Lumiyim. I'm somewhere between that and the normal Mizrahi. In other words, I realize I'm a little bit right of center, but uh, I, I'm not totally Chadalim. But they include the Chadalim in that world as well. And they're so frightened they'll take over the country. All right, they'll take over the country. Halavai, the next chief of staff, should wear a kippah with it, sits it out. You understand? By the way, there's a very good chance that the next chief of staff will be a total Shemesh Shabbos, but he doesn't wear a kippah. You understand? I know who it is. I don't want to mention the name, but Halavai, he should be. He's now assistant. There are two assistants chief of staff. He's one of them. But uh, I want more than that. I want someone that will look 100% from, not like Rakefet, not like some of the YU graduates of my time. I'm the only one left now without a beard. When Ravara Lichtenstein taught you, I was in good company. But today, already I'm looked upon, oh, but I'm at, I'm at a time, you understand? What's the word they use? A time uh, warp, right? That's the word? Or uh, Yomo's telling me my English is correct. If, Yomo, if the Ukrainian says my English is correct, my English is correct. By the way, he may go under very shortly. Russia's about to attack the Ukraine. If you read the news today, and he has relatives in, in the Ukraine left behind. All right. Atkan, life insurance. Halacha lemaisa, live normal, act normal. Torim derech life insurance, car insurance, apartment insurance is part of normalcy in modern life, modern economic concepts in life. In Israel, Allah had come of a comma. All right. Now, let me go further and let me touch upon a problem that haunts us, that upsets me, that angers me. Just walk out of this building and walk down to give it Mordechai and you give it Mordechai, you have one of the biggest little Lithuanian yeshivat in the world, Chevron. Stand around the building, you'll notice students coming outside and smoking. Go to Geula, walk past Parat Yosef, it's the biggest Svatic yeshiva in Israel. And you'll notice students come outside and they're smoking. Walk through Shari Chesed, you'll see Rav Urbach's yeshiva, see students standing outside and smoking. 
And I'm so tempted. To, sometimes I did when I was younger. I had more strength than, uh, I don't know. I would say to them, And they all looked askance. A uh, stupid American heard the accent. And uh, just, you know, either left in my face or left behind my face. Okay. Y Yoma, what's troubling with you? I hope you don't smoke. I, I know. I, uh, I could be sure about other issues, but I've never seen anyone from Hebron, Talmudian uh, Hebron smoke. Uh, I hope I, you... I, I know that Rosh encourages them to, to exercise, to walk. To, uh, walk. Okay, I hope you're right. All I can tell you is I've seen Yivet Mordechai. It looked to me like Hebron Yeshiva kids smoking, but I hope you're right. I've seen it, uh, Hebron graduates in a kolil, uh, Yatama, Kolo learns that I see these morons walk out and smoking. Smoking. Okay, okay. Yomo is Melamed Scott and Hebron Yeshiva. But you can't deny, you see, I mean, they wear a uniform, they're easily identifiable. You were once arrested by the Shabbat because you were, you, they, not, stopped, not arrested. You don't know that. Yomo, there was a time when the demonstrations were going on with the Pelek, and he's walking through Sharei Chesed with black pants and a white shirt and a beard. But I, I have to say, to the cover of the Shabbat, the, what was it, the next day, they saw you again after they had checked you out, who you were, and and what did they do? They apologized to you. They made a gesture. They, just they just made a nice gesture to him. Like okay, so you got to give credit. I don't know if the New York police would act that way, but the Shabak, I was very happy to hear they cleared his name and Baruch Hashem. Okay. Let me begin at the beginning. Um, we'll go stage by stage. We're not going to finish today, obviously. Mishnah Halachot, Chelik Yud Bet, 12, Siman Chaf Gimu. And um, he writes to someone in Yerushalayim, Malat Kvod Yididi, V'Rav Chabibi, Harav Agoim, V'Chulu V'Chulu, David Ackman. So I have a feeling that this is some American that had studied with him in Brooklyn, in Borough Park. We're talking Rabbi Menashe Klein. Rav in Borough Park, they're not alive today, but 18 volumes of Shalat and Shuvat. He, uh, the shtibble in Borough Park is not so small. It's uh, not exactly a shtibble. And outside is the Kotel, you know what I'm talking about? And Keva Rachel built into the wall. And uh, he has a branch in Ramat, where another son is today. One son there, one son here. Uh, we've been talking about him for many years, so you can take off seven years, listen to yutorah.org, and you'll know a little bit more. Okay. So, uh, he, he, this Rav in Yudushalayim, who evidently was a Talmud of his, or certainly knew him well, he says, uh, I'm dealing with your question if you're allowed to smoke. In Hebrew, it's called Ishun, and he uses the word Ishun Tabak, to smoke tobacco, or is it Ushumatem et Nafshotechem, you're not allowed to do anything. And the question, he says, that you ask me becomes more sharp. It's, what's the question? Your father tell me, what's the halach of Kibbut uh, By the way, a, a lot is being written in this. Uh, I, I just last night read about it, uh, some literature on the Baal movement. 
And one of the big questions in the Baltriva movement, do you keep contact with your family? And uh, originally, and I'm talking about Israel now, Israel had a big explosion of Baalei Tshuva in the 70s into the 80s, and many of them became total Haredim, totally extreme, and broke all contact with their families. Today, there's a very big problem that among their children, the second generation, there is a very high fall-away rate. And part of it has to do with this Haredi attitude that a Baal is not good enough, etc., etc., and they were never totally accepted. This is unlike the Mizrahi world, the world I live in, and unlike the Chabad world, where Baalei Tshuva and Eidot Mizrach are totally integrated. There's no difference. We're all Jews. I remember a Hebron Yeshiva graduate, Dafka Svadik fellow, who was, uh, took my blood and started talking with me in the years ago I, and he said to me and he told me what they called him in Hebron how they put him down I don't want to, don't want to repeat the word it's not, a, not an off color word but it's not nice so I told him that's what they said to you in Yeshiva at Hebron tell me how come when I went into Rav Salavetchik Shia the anical of Rav, the grandson of Rav Chaim, I carried in two things a Gemara and a Rambam tell me who was the Rambam where did he live France Germany I, I think he was Eidat HaMizrach. The Rashba, the Ramban, the Rabad, Rabad, or the Rivet, as you say. Etc., etc. Put, integrate. Wow. So, uh, in the latest wave of Balei Tshuva, there's now a new approach that uh, don't stop your profession don't become too extreme. In the Haredi world I'm talking, books have been written. Keep contact with your family. Now what's the halacha? Keep it up and look it up in your idea. Your father is not from, you have to be mechabedim, it's your father. If chas v'chalili, your father asked you, l'chalel Shabbat, you both have to fear God. It's an open Gemara, you and your father. You can't be Mahalo Shabbos. It's not Kibbut Aviyam anymore. Tell me, what if your father asked you for a cigarette? Can you give it to him? What if your father has a cigarette in his mouth and he says, my son, light up my cigarette. You follow? Here already, how do you view smoking? If it's dangerous to hell, you should light up your father's cigarette or give him a cigarette. Or on the other hand, keep it up Do it. And 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 be machaber him. And 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 this is the question. Or maybe it's forbidden to have like omelo avar al divrei Torah o chalel at Shabbat she'ain shomim lo. Wow. All right. So, good question. Fabulous question. Reb Menashe Klein says right away, I can't give you a black and white answer. This question depends upon, I'm calling Rabbi Klein now, the Gavro, 
the person, who is he, uh, what he generally does, uh, how he lives. But Rav Klein says, a general answer, I would tell you, never give cigarettes to a person that will start him in the habit of smoking. If someone is smoking already, then it could be you have to light your father's cigarette. And here I come to a story in honor of Barak. Excuse me, do we have the date of the chula? That's important. Uh, in 1978. I know what you're saying. I'll come to that next week. Uh, Barak, you'll understand them immediately that this story is in your honor. There were two little kids in Minsk in the early 1900s, late 1890s, who played together, ate together, fought together. One was named Aaron, and one was named Yaakov. Can anyone fill in the last names of these two people? The one who was named Aaron, Cutler was the last name. The one that was named Yaakov, give me the last name, Barak? Kamenetsky, you have the nail on the head. And they went on to become great Rosh Yeshiva, Mabit Torah, Torah personalities in the United States of America. Right or wrong? Now, who was greater? Who was more knowledgeable? Who was the greater London? So, of course, the world will tell you Rebarin Cutler. Could be. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky told his children, in our youth, I was a bigger London and had a better head than my playmate, Rabbi Sislovitz was the nickname for him because he came from that city, that hamlet, before he got to Minsk. But you know what happened to me? I'm quoting from his son's monumental work, Making of a Cuddle now. You know what happened to me? When I came to Slabatka, one of the oldest students was impressed with how much I knew as a kid, and he wanted to show me I'm part of the crowd, and he gave me a cigarette. And I became addicted. That smoke and that smoking took away part of my mind, part of my knowledge. Rabaran became bigger than me. He didn't smoke. So, that's an unbelievable story. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky tells the story on himself. So you see that smoking can definitely be harmful long before we knew what we know today about cancer and lung cancer and smoking and, and all the terrible impact it has on your health and ultimately on everybody's health. Because there's one French word that all of us live by. It's not a happy word. Triage. You've heard that word? You, the, the, here, the question is very simple. Of a, you discover a medicine that can cure COVID. 
there's only enough to go around for 5% of the population. Who do you give it to? Who has first choice? This question came up when penicillin reached Israel. We have this in writing today. We have sources. Rav Herzog, the chief rabbi, called Rav Moshe Feinstein. We got penicillin. It's the early years of Palestine when Rav Herzog was here. It was right after World War II. We can cure illnesses. You don't know what, the, what a, my, the, my mother always said. The greatest invention in her lifetime medically was penicillin. People, I had an infection in my gum. The Mechitili had that same infection in 1928. He died at the age of, what was it, 51. That infection, one shot of penicillin, cleared it. Dr. Kansi at Springfield Avenue, Maplewood, New Jersey, some point in the mid-60s. Who do you give it to? Had it? Had it? This is uh, right, uh, a, real, a real question, triage. When people smoke, they get sick. They get sick, they go to the hospitals. Hospitals are limited in space. Hospitals are limited in money. This is, every country in the world faces this challenge. <coughs> Israel, we have socialized medicine, and they say it's the best socialized medicine in the world compared to Canada, compared to England, etc. Fine, but nevertheless, there's a limit how much the hospitals can do. Less patients, they can do more. Less stress on expensive medicines, they can do more. People smoke, you affect not just yourself, but you affect the entire world around you. You know what's going on now with Corona. Austria is, thank God, is an advanced country. They now announced every citizen must be inoculated. We're a country, you know, a little bit so-called liberal, westernized. How do you force people? He's a murderer. He's murdering himself and he's murdering those around him if he's not inoculated. Against, inocul against inoculations. You know, when I was growing up, there were many children who limped. Who the President Roosevelt is a perfect example. No one could ever take a picture of him uh, uh, below his waistline because he was crippled. He had polio in his youth. Polio. Thank God, Saul, Saban, two Jews who used their minds. They could have been Gedolei Israel, terrific minds. Take a look today. Who heard of polio? The flu shot, Baruch Hashem. And suddenly, COVID hasn't been expired. We're dying like flies. Millions, millions, millions have already died. Where does it end? Okay? So your smoking, it's not just your smoking. Your smoking affects everyone around you and ultimately affects the city in which you live the country in which you live, the hospitals that are nearby, it's not a simple matter. Okay? And he mentions that. He mentions that. It's a difficult question. Do you have a right to destroy yourself? But this is more than yourself. It's society around you. 
Ah, then there's another question he touches upon. And this question, of course, anyone who has studied Musser and ethical deportment and behavior, this question is part of life today. We're in the Western world. What's this young man's first name? Moshe? Moshe, you have your own bed in your house? Wow. People, one time I, I went to school with kids who shared a bed with their brother. All right. You have your own bed. Your own car? I had kids came to BMT. They said, Rebbe, we only came for the year because our parents promised us a car at the end of the year. Ah, who doesn't have their own car? Kid turns 18, his own car. Now in Israel, all my grandchildren, this one has a car. The wife has a car. But you see, there's nothing wrong with having your own bed, nothing wrong with having your own car. But here's where the problem begins. You want, you want, you want. Where do you draw the line? Ta'ava. Where do you draw the line? And, and here already you get way beyond the kid. Revi, am I allowed to shake hands <coughs> with a girl when she says a good devout Torah? Rebbe, I saw you shake hands with an 81 and 80 year old woman who uh, thanked you for answering her questions. Do you understand what I'm saying? Ta'ava. All right, shaking hands. Big shaila, a lot has been written on it. I've spoken about it many times. But you have to have seichel. That's with an 81-year-old woman, not with an 18-year-old girl. Guy shakes hands. Then he wants to do more. I don't want to go further. God have mercy, what I heard about yeshiva high schools, so-called modern yeshiva, modern orthodox, I heard that term. If anyone calls me modern orthodox, I'll smack their face, lock them up, tie them to the wall, and wait for them to apologize. <laughs> I am a Torah Jew in Western context. Got it? That's me. That's my Rebbe. That's the way I was raised. Zach, a Torah Jew in Western context. When you say modern, it's like you got to change. You got to modernize. Oh my God, you start modernizing Shaloh Asana Yisha. They don't want to say a bracha. Idiot. Can you give birth? When you can give birth, then, you'll, then you can not say Shaloh Asana Yisha. Until then, you stop in the way your grandfather, right, Rab Chaim Briscoe, embarrassed women. What a world we live in. Gentlemen, Taiva, where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line? I want to smoke. Smoke. Before you know it, you want this, you want that, you take every chetar under the world. Where do you draw the line? Moshe, I'm going to fill you in a little story that I've repeated. I'm teaching Torah 62 years. I might have repeated it over 62 years, 62 times. Let this be the 63rd time. I write about it, by the way, in Washington. It was one of the definitive moments in my life. I'm a third generation American. My parents were born in Harlem when it was all Jewish. 
that I'm sitting here teaching Torah and have so many great-grandchildren and a little pipsqueak came to my house Shabbos with the kippah and sits it. I think he's all of three or four. And his sister, who started first grade, asked me questions. Wow, I've never been asked such beautiful questions. It's a miracle. Statistics are against me. You understand what I'm saying? It's not Flatbush, where every outside of Steinfeld, you know Steinfeld's tragedy, that his mother married an Ashkenazi. Had she stayed within the fold, he would be a Shemesh Shabbos today. So, uh, seventh grade, as I mentioned, my Rebbeim didn't speak English, old Yiddish. So I had a fabulous Rebbe, eighth grade, Rebbe Henech Fishman, from Mir to Brisk to Shanghai, Kobe, Japan to Shanghai, the whole story of how they were saved. So he lived a few blocks from me. They all lived in the Bronx a good deal, and they taught in Salanta, Zichron Moshe, etc., etc. And I would be over his house Friday night, and his wife, I mean, these were unique people, made a beautiful chocolate cake. And she would serve chocolate cake. And I would eat the piece in front of me, and always noticed my Rebbe never finished his piece of chocolate cake. Never. And finally I got up the guts. I said, Rebbe, I don't understand. I afraid bakta. I say, good, your wife bakes so beautifully. Why don't you finish the cake? I notice every week you don't finish it. And he introduced me to the world of Musa. He mentioned to me a name at the time. I didn't know who that was. Today I could lecture on him for hours. Rabbi Rucham Levavitz, Demir Mashkiach. And he said, Demir Mashkiach taught us a person has to control his desires, ta'avat, and to show and educate yourself, you never finish the piece of chocolate cake. What you desire the most you leave over the last slice, the last portion, the last bit. And uh, this is with smoking. Person stops smoking. Where does it end? And, and he mentions that. He mentions that. But he says, look, this is in theory. It's Alpimusa, Taiva, correcting yourself, educating yourself. But, and the question you asked, whether to give him or not to give him, it depends on the circumstances. And here he has an entire paragraph, and he's right up to date. I mean, he's writing this in the 70s, but today in Israel, this is becoming one of our big exports, one of our big businesses. And you fellas are suffering because your parents are sending you dollars or my Talmudim here are living off dollars and I have a few dollars left from my pension for teaching from YU in the 60s. 
and every day that dollar becomes smaller. Right or wrong, Shlomo? But I once got 4.2 for my dollar. Today you get 2.9, and who knows what tomorrow will be. Why? Why? What's the dollar? Why does the dollar? Do you know any Yiddish? Lichtendred. Do you know that much? Or they don't curse where you come from. It's Lichtendred. It's on the floor, in the ground. Why? Ah, because America imports infinitely more than it exports. Israel exports infinitely more than it imports. Meaning, high tech. High tech. Machon Lev. You got graduates who are billionaires today, not millionaires. They sell Bennett. It's beyond words. Give examples. You export your brain. Wow. They pay two million, two billion dollars for some development of how a car can drive and not hit another car. Israeli invention, ways, Israeli invention, little chips, schmips in the computer, Israeli invention. Ah, oh, he quotes another Israeli invention, opium. He says opium can be so harmful, some hamavet, va'afal pikainli adam choleh, Gentlemen, is this what's going on today? Hasn't medical opium been legalized in Israel? Do you know that countries are coming to us? To, what, what are you saying now? What are you saying now? I, I can't know what you're saying. What is it? Marijuana, excuse me. To me it's all the same. I'm not an expert. But marijuana, excuse me, I stand corrected by Yosef Mordechai. Yomo knows everything, but there's still more for him to learn. That much I can tell you. Okay, I'm trying to point him in direction, but Yomo is not an easy guy to deal with. All I can tell you is you can point him, but uh, we'll rejoice when we get there. We'll have one moment in class, Be'ezrat Hashem, where we'll have vodka brought into class to celebrate, but we're still waiting. It's not yet. Yomo, thank you. Marijuana, we export medical marijuana. What's it called? Medical marijuana. Under we're ahead of the world in this. And, and he hits the nail on the head. He says, cigarettes are harmful, but for some people, smoking is a must. We'll see this in his next trip. We'll see it next week. Okay, he gives another example. Wow, I see up to date, it's like he looked at the internet this morning. Can anyone tell me what you have in the internet in Yeshiva World News and Rich Sheva and probably in the Haredi websites, an illness in the Haredi world that's worse than anyone else. Elliot, you had Kiddush yesterday? Okay, you had Kugel? Oh, you had Kugel. Baruch Hashem. Cake? Absolutely. Sugar, sugar, sugar. 
more diabetes in the Haredi world than in the rest of the population and not the small percentage difference, not a small percentile. Major, major. Wow, diabetes. And yet he says, when someone is diabetic and has an attack, you have to give them sugar. Right or wrong, don't people who have to have to measure all the time and God, that go, what does it go down? The sugar goes down. God, I had a student, I had a student, I have a student. When at 71 it had to be. Rehoba Babanel, 24, where BMT began the school that changed the course of Torah history in the Anglo-English speaking world. How much this school started, inspired, achieved. You look back 50 plus years later, wow. All over Israel, all over Israel, every facet of life. And I had a student, diabetic. I remember on Yom Kippur, he had to eat. Went into a side room, he ate. I remember he was always checking, testing. Wow. By the way, should live and be well. His wife was my student. She died long before him. Married at second life. Also at side. Both women with opposite kaniyot. One was, one is, should live and be well. Sabarach Hashem. Medically, he survived under direction. But while does Rabbi Nasha Klein hit the nail on the head that sugar is terrible? What's going on in Israel? All of soda, the whole price, everything is increasing. The government is robbing us blind to finance their escapades. And how are they doing it? Oh, we haven't increased taxes. Just anything that's chad pami. How do you say that in English? Disposable? Wow. 25% tax on it. How much? 20? Uh, 25? No, how much? How much? Isn't it 40? 40%. God have mercy. They would have, don't get me started. Uh, anything with sugar. I only drink, uh, what do I call it, Cola Zero. That's the only thing I drink. That too they're raising, but they're not raising it as much. You gangsters, you robbers, you thieves. But wow, quote Rebbe Klein's Shiva. For healthy people, sugar is terrible. Rebbe Klein told us to tax you so you won't buy it. All right. And he says... The same thing, Ishun Tabak, Logaram Mikol Hamazik Lolagufo. It's not any worse than any other thing that harms the person. If you can raise someone not to love sugar, my wife tried with my grandchildren and she succeeded to a certain degree, and even great grandchildren, cucumbers. Kids want a treat, give them a peeled section of a cucumber. All right? And, and, and green peppers, red peppers. You know how you know you succeeded? 
when you say to Mark and Elliot, my dear, dear, dear students for many generations, it's generations already, when you say to them, what do you choose? Vegetables with salmon or steak with French fries? What do you choose? If they choose vegetables with salmon, you know you've succeeded. But on the other hand, you can't stop them from having steak and French fries. And I have to tell you, at this moment, I look up to heaven, I apologize to my mother-in-law. Many years ago, more than 60 plus years, I was at the house and she served me salmon and vegetables. And I, you know, gave a bad look, what, this is food, not meat. I apologize. Today, Shleimala, salmon and vegetables, nothing equals it. You don't even have to mention steak, hot dogs, this, that. Nothing equals it. All right? You've got to be educated. But this is very powerful, and you can't argue with Reb Menashe Klein. If you're going to outlaw smoking, you have to outlaw sugar. If you're going to outlaw sugar, you've got to go right down the line. Then the, uh, what is it, cannabis, uh, medical cannabis that they permitted here, the opium, whatever... How do you permit it? But you see, it's good, it's bad. There has to be a happy balance. I'm just scratching the surface. I want to leave you with one Rambam. We'll end off the class. Here's the Rambam. Rabbi Menashe Klein quotes the Rambam. I'm quoting it. Hilchot Deyot Perik Dalid Halachatet. Now, I have to tell you right at the outset, this Rambam gets us involved in a question that I, you can look up and get reading material that will occupy your mind for one year. What's the question? Chazal many times give us medical advice. Do we have to take that medical advice halacha lemaisa in the year 2022? In other words, if you have an illness and Chazal recommended putting a chicken on top of your stomach, is that what we're supposed to do today? It's a very fascinating question. And I need not tell you how much has been written. Look into Mavola Talmud. I'll just mention that source by That's a source out of the eighteen out of the eighteen hundreds. Was uh, a great Talmud Chacham, but also a very modern person. And there's the Tshuva of Rabavram Ben Harambam. I need not tell you uh, Chief Rabbi Jacobowitz has written extensively. There's uh, from Germany a number of volumes in German. Some have been translated into English. A lot of work was done at uh, graduates of Hildesheimer, graduates of Jews College in London when it was a more academic institution. Halachala Maisa, 
we reach a very simple conclusion. Uh, not everyone will agree with this, but this, at least in the YU world, carries weight. Chazal lived during a certain time. They were up to date with the latest medical knowledge of their period. Today, it's a thousand years later, two thousand years later, we know so much more. So, obviously, we have to live with the medical knowledge of today. What's interesting is that every type of refuah that Chazal mentioned, including bloodletting, etc., medical research today will explain why it was healthy and why it was good at that time. Today, if you do it, it's not that it's not healthy, but we have healthier methods. And that's the approach. Rebavram ben Arambam says this very clearly, and uh, the, the Mavol Talmud. And when you approach Chazal, you have to understand that on one hand the halacha is eternal, but medical, social comments are within the framework of the civilization in which they found themselves. And this to me is axiomatic, certainly a Torah, Derech Eretz, Torah, Mada. Uh, I'm not sure Rabbi Meiselman will totally agree with what I just said. Uh, Rabbi Meisha Meiselman, the Rav's nephew, big Talmud Chacham, also a PhD from MIT that no one knows about. And um, he published a book on, um, uh, on this very topic a few years ago with mixed reviews, I'll put it that way. But uh, this is Kachibalti. Now, the Rambam, Hilchadeit, Hilchadeit is very important because the Rambam tries to put into halachic understanding, it's very interesting, uh, I would say it's an ethical and moral daily guide how one should live to keep healthy. And here he talks about in Parakdava Halachatet that you look and you'll see Yesh Machalat Shechem Ra'im Avol Einam Kemo Harishonim Leroa. Above this, he listed out types of food which are definitely harmful. By the way, a lot of these foods are harmful because they didn't have refrigeration. He talks about old meat. He talks about old cheese. I think you all understand that nowadays if you keep meat and cheese out of refrigeration, out of the freezer, it's going to be very harmful. But, and you certainly can't eat it. It's putrid. It, it will sicken you. And you all know the, there's always food recall when something goes wrong in the manufacture process. But there are, there are some food that are not that good but are not as bad as what we spoke about earlier. And therefore, a, a smart person shouldn't eat them only a little and not every day. He shouldn't make it his custom, his practice, this is what he eats. And what's interesting is what the Raman lists now. One of these foods that are not the greatest, but are not the worst. Dagim gedolim, gvina v'chalav, she'sha'ach ereshen echlav, asfum v'yabashat. If you keep it out of refrigeration, milk, 24 hours, it's not healthy. Today, with milk, you all know, we pasteurize the milk, and uh, 
we put it into refrigeration as quickly as we can. But interesting what the Rambam already lives here. Basar Shvarim Gedolim. This evidently was a type of meat that was harmful. Tayashim Gedolim. Then he goes in, vegetables, veg, legumes, hapol adashim v'hasafir. What is safir? So I'm holding the Rambam La'am in front of me where there's a very good parish, and he explains what we call nahit, belaz. Nahit, uh, how do we call that in Hebrew? Uh, anyone can help me? Uh, is there a Hebrew word for it? Uh, if we, we if we use the word safir, no one used that word today. Nahit, do you recognize that word? What they serve at a shalom zacha, the uh, chickpeas in English. What's the word in Hebrew? There has to be a word. I, I buy cans. What's the word in Hebrew? Chumas. you say. Nahit. So it's interesting that he lists us out as being medium. Today I believe it's considered unbelievably healthy. And uh, he goes on, Lechem Sorim, barley bread. Today barley bread is considered very healthy. Kruv, cabbage. Well, an interesting kruv today, considered very healthy. The more green it is, the healthier. Bitsalim. We all know what bitsalim are. Onions. Chadal, mustard, snow, radishes. And he says, Ein And he says, Better to eat it. Yemotag shamim. Avol biyemotachama lo yelchalmechem klal. Vahapol vadashim duvad. He says, there, be very careful, even in the cold weather, to try not to eat it. So you see, the Mishnah Halacha quotes this Rambam. Rambam is very powerful. The Rambam is usual. Every word in the Rambam, you basically can find the source in Chazal. And this was how they understood it at that time. He puts... Tabak, smoking, into the same category. It can be harmful. On the other hand, for some people it's beneficial. We'll see next week why. And he says, I can't paskim halacha. If your father smokes, give him the cigarette. If he doesn't smoke, tell him it's not healthy. What's interesting about this Rambam, does this apply today? Is this really bad for us? And here we have to take the latest understanding of medicine. And what we see today, the dietitians, the more legumes you eat, the healthier you are. Barley, absolutely healthy. Uh, I can understand uh, meat. Today we understand that meat is totally not healthy. The less red meat, statistically, the longer you live. And uh, this may very well be what the Rambam is referring to. Shvarim gedolim, tiashim gedolim. 
Anything not refrigerated, keep away from it 100%. I see in gross time and again, bottles of milk are left standing. The night before, someone was drinking coffee, left the bottle out. In the morning, all you can do is pour the milk down the drain. It's gone sour. All right, it will upset your stomach. Hard cheese, you got to have a good stomach to handle the hard cheese. And even halachically, it could very well be. You have to wait six hours before eating meat because of the hard cheese. So to summarize, okay, Baruch Hashem, the Torah is fascinating. Ah, I always say if we could take the progressives and the liberals and the leftists and let them learn Torah with a good Rebbe, a good Rebbe, not that who could bring the Torah to life, make it meaningful, we would have a lot of success. There'd be a lot less retrogressives in the world and a lot more Jews who love Torah with all their heart and soul. So to reiterate, what did we do today? We said a few more words, not just a few more words. Again, I'm only scratching the surface. I alluded to a lot. And I hope when my article comes out on uh, defending the rub, uh, by the way, I don't call it that. I don't want to be uh, uh, cheap. I could, the article is named something like Joseph and his brothers in relation to Herzl, Theodor Herzl and Zionism. So the article has uh, you know, an attractive name, Herzl, Zionism, all right. How does it fit in with Joseph and his brothers? And Elliot, when you've studied that 35-page piece, you will agree it's a perfect title. But if you follow the footnotes, you'll understand it's refuting the criticism of the Rav. But nevertheless, when it comes to Israel, Torah must meet the reality of the Israeli scene. And here, there is no machloket anymore. The Khatam Seifer says, everyone has to follow Rabbi Yishmael. And I thank uh, Yomo for showing me that Khatam Seifer. It's more elaborate than the Khatam Seifer I knew with Osek B'mitzvah, Patam and Mitzvah. And uh, we got to take it further. This is the challenge the Hari Day world today, thank God, grows bigger and bigger. And they face the challenge. They have to support themselves. One father can support two, three children in Kailil. But when you have eight children in Kailil, sons, sons-in-law, and then the next generation of the it's a generation beyond the generation that never worked. What do you do further? And to live in dignity, to build the country, to keep the army going, the Shabbat going, to export the billions of dollars for our brains, we need the help of all B'nai Israel here. Alright, then we started a new topic which will occupy us uh, this week and next week and could even be the week afterwards. Are you allowed to smoke? And we saw this chiva of Rabbi Menashe Klein. It's the first chiva I'm quoting from him. There's another one I will quote. There are more, but there's no Kiddush in the others. But these two, each one adds to the other. So Rabbi Menashe Klein treats it like sugar, treats it like uh, some... Uh, a type of drug uh, that can be harmful but helpful to those who need it. And halachalamaisa, he paskins, if your father's already smoking and he's used common sense, maybe you say to him, Dad, maybe it's not good five cigarettes a day, maybe three cigarettes a day, but 
give him the cigarette, it's Kibbut Aviyeng. And, and he quotes the Rambam and Hilchadeyot, cabbage is not good for you, but yet we still eat cabbage at the Rambam's time. Uh, in Yiddish, the word would mean metamas, in, in, with the sheyur, with the limitation. And that's the psak of Reb Menashe Klein. I have wonderful students in front of me. I apologize to those watching from around the world. I'm looking at the students, and really today the room is filled, uh, not artificially, but uh, actually. Are there any questions from the erudite young people, older people in front of me? Until we meet again in Health and Happiness, Das Vidanya, open it to the world. Are there any questions? I'm pressed for time today, because as I mentioned before, <laughs> I have to help my wife with the installation of the washing and, and dryer, but uh, is it off? Can, I, can they hear me? Can, can, any questions from around the world? Okay, in two minutes. Rambam says not to eat um, fruit unless it's dried, which probably has something to do with living in Spain without refrigeration. Okay, could be, could be. They didn't have refrigeration altogether. And it was a very hot climate in Spain. Okay. He lived in North Africa, but he was Western Sparaday, as were the other Rishon. I just want to wish Marcel Tuff, how is your wife doing? Okay, it's a different level of life now. And don't forget, that young man didn't ask you to bring him into the world. You and your wife brought him into the world. It's responsibility to that kid from henceforth for the next 120 years, Be'ezrat Hashem. Take me seriously because I've been through life and what I have seen from my own students at times, it depresses. I want to be impressed. A couple, a covered ulatiferin, no different than the Kamenetskis who you are related to. Be'ezrat Hashem. And this young man, I just want to say, is he a permanent student or just a guest? My brother. That's your, how come he's twice your size? No, I got short at it. Uh, 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 <laughs> and where are you studying? Uh, MTA. Uh, I can't hear? MTA. MTA, that's where I went to school, Manhattan Talmudical Academy. Yeah. My classmate, welcome, welcome, welcome. But one second, it's the, what are you doing here in November? Isn't there MTA? Thanks for visiting me. If they give you a hard time, ask them to give you credit for my class. Okay, <laughs> let's see. Okay. If there are no questions, Yitzchak, what are you saying? I don't hear, I don't hear Yitzchak. Can you get him on? <laughs> Yitzchak, we can't hear you. Yeah. Where is it? In Devarim, right? Right. In the Atchanan. Okay, a Balkol. I, I, I remember it was in Devarim, but a Balkol. The, the first part of Shani. First part of Shani. You can't do better than that. Until we meet again, in, I want to thank everyone for honoring me with your presence. Uh, both in front of me and both on screen. And Be'ezrat Hashem, I wouldn't miss tomorrow's shear 
for all the soldiers that are being lined up opposite the Ukraine by the great country of Russia, and I hope for Yomo's sake they come to learn Torah instead of using their guns and hear a little bit about the Satmur Ruv. Until we meet again in health and happiness, Das Bedanya. Thank you so much. Recording stopped.